a playlist original. At a school like Reagan High, popularity can be deadly. I heard she choked on a jawbreaker. That is so cool. I don't think we've met what with the cruel politics of high school and all. From TriStar Pictures comes the battle of the babes. It's hard. It's over, Courtney. I am petrified. Jawbreaker. Our best friend is dead. Did you have any idea what that means? You were shooing for prom queen? Rated R. In theaters February 19th. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster Presents Deep Dives, where we talk about some of your favorite films or some movies that you may have forgotten about. Uh, typically, on the Deep Dive spinoff, we've been asking our special guests to choose the films that they want to deep dive into, but occasionally um, we just come to a mutual understanding on what the movie is uh, we're going to be discussing. Uh, one time, uh, our friend JC, Mark with the Movies, was on. And while he did not pick American History X, we both mutually agreed that we would talk about that film because it was right around the time of its uh, 25th anniversary. And I'm in a similar situation with another movie, completely different than American History X, which actually just celebrated its uh, 25th uh, anniversary yesterday as a recording. We were recording February 20th on a Tuesday. Uh, and this person we've been trying to get on a deep dive for a bit and was going to have uh, him pick his own movie to deep dive into. But when I put up the prompt for who wants to talk about this particular movie uh, as a deep dive and in honor of his 25th anniversary, um, he jumped at the chance. So I would like to introduce uh, Mario Mello to the show, who I actually know on Instagram as movies with Mario. So thank you uh, for coming on and uh, talking about uh, 1999's Jawbreaker with me. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for the introduction. Um, like you said, I'm Mario. Um, my Instagram is at movies with Mr. Mario, where I do movie reviews, TV reviews of things I'm watching, and share the latest pop culture news. Um, yes, I was very excited for this movie. Actually, this is one of my favorite like black comedies. So um, I usually always have it on a cycle, at least once or twice a year. So um, knowing it's the 25th anniversary, and like, oh, hey, I'm down for it. So. Um, it's a very cool movie to talk about, so I'm excited to do that with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was uh, it was it was a movie I actually watched a bit when it first came out, and like maybe a few years after that, but I hadn't watched it in a few well longer than ten years. I think it's been a while um, since I saw it until um, actually yesterday when I watched it for this, and um, a lot of fun memories came back. I think it still holds up really, really well. Um, I was excited to see that, um, and we will talk about this a bit. That um, you know, the movie did not do all that great when it came out in 1999. Mm. It was considered a financial and critical failure, but like a lot of these kind of movies, it went on to gain a pretty substantial cult following, and it actually, um, I guess, has a pretty big following on TikTok with a lot of memes. Uh, a lot of people still trying to uh, imitate uh, the fashion from the movie. Uh, a lot of quotes that are being shared online from the movie. Um, you know, a lot of, like, I would say, like, Varsity Blues celebrated its 25th anniversary uh, recently in January, and that movie was more financially successful. But just from my viewing of, like, social media and uh, X, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I saw more posts about this particular film for its uh, 25th anniversary. And... Uh, more so than Barstool Boots, which was very interesting, I thought. Yeah, 25 years. Um, 
I think definitely because it is a dark comedy, <laughs> it's not like for everyone. I remember there's another dark comedy. I think that I can't remember when it came out, but I remember Death to Smoochie. That was with Robin yeah. Williams. That was another one that was like everyone did not like it. It was a box office failure, and then I feel like it's um, delved into kind of a cult following as well. But it's just those dark comedies. I think at that time people just weren't clicking with them, yeah. and I think it just it. You know, I'm glad it does have a following now because I mean they're one of the original, like the Mean Girls. You know, uh, we had Heather's in the '80s. Now we had this one in the '90s, and then you have Mean Girls. You know, five years later, um, in the 2000s. So um, there is precedence there, but I think this does Mean Girls. I know did take some of their stuff, not not in a bad way, but like homages to um, Heather's and Jawbreaker. So. I mean, yeah. it is a, it's an important film. So I definitely yeah. agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Now I, I was, um, you know, I, the reason we, I had it on our list of movie anniversaries to do in the main show. And I was mentioning some other people. Cause I know like my co-host Jackson, he's down to do like most movies, even if he hasn't seen them. And I'm sure he would have been down to like talk this one up, but we actually had a bunch of other uh, February anniversaries that we were going to do and couldn't quite fit this one in and i was like okay well maybe i won't do it and i messaged someone else who's been on the show a lot um mark from release day rewire and i was like are you gonna do um jawbreaker and he's like oh yeah i'm definitely doing it and then i was like well i think i should try to find a way to do it and thankfully having a spinoff separate show gives me an opportunity to yes. <laughs> uh to do it so i was really happy to uh fit it in because i again i hadn't watched it in a really long time and i was hoping they would still hold up for me and it, and it definitely did and I, and I like I said I really love seeing everything people were sharing yesterday and the, the director of the movie uh, Darren Stein was sharing I think anything anyone that posted uh, like uh, tagged him in something uh, yeah. for the anniversary he reposted it on his Instagram and you know I just saw a bunch of stuff on TikTok and X and Twitter it was it really for a movie that only made three point one million dollars during its initial run in theaters I felt like I saw that being shared and talked about yesterday more so than maybe other kind of popular movies around like i saw more from this than even you know we just had an anniversary recently for she's all that not saying that that wasn't successful but i saw more online for jawbreaker than that movie yeah. and i guess it i guess when the uh the audience is pretty vocal and loud uh and even though the movie might feel small it can kind of overpower and dominate uh other films that appear to have a bigger following and i think that was the yeah. case with uh, Jawbreaker, um, which I didn't really, uh, I guess, pay attention to, and like through all its other milestone anniversaries since it came out. But this one, I was one I really noticed it for, which is why I was like, you know, I think this would be a good one to do. Um, so my question, like, is it worthy of a deep dive? You know, here, the, here's the thing: the deep dive spinoff isn't always about like these kind of thought provoking. Let's, you know, pick them apart uh, kind of films. There, the, uh, there, we want to kind of dive into anything, any genre. Um, and we haven't really done a lot of dark black comedies on the deep dive spinoff before, and this seems like a perfect one to do. Yeah, because they yeah. don't make them. They don't make them like this anymore either. Too, I feel like no. we don't get. We don't. I don't think it's. It's been a while since we've gotten one, and yep. we always talk about oh, they don't make the movies like they did in the nineties or the eighties and stuff like that. And I feel like this is one of them. Like, I don't know. I mean, if if they put this movie out today. I don't know how well it would do just because of the content, but at the same time, yeah. I'm like, 
I don't know because it's so quotable and so I don't know it's it's it's, it's an interesting uh, thing to think about like would it make it today if it was released today um yeah obviously you would have to have different casts and stuff because right definitely definitely <laughs> um <laughs> even uh yeah yeah I kind of wonder that too because I it's when I was reading up on it just preparing for this after watching it again it seemed it, it would be interesting to find out if it would be successful today because I think the reason why it wasn't successful even in 1999 was because they weren't really ready for it even though we were in the middle of this like teen movie kind of boom back then mm -hmm. this was very different beasts from what was coming out uh uh for most teen films and, and you know it's rated r it's very dark it's funny but it definitely was not like the other ones that were coming out so it uh and i think the director said it almost felt like the rotten stepsister of the bunch of those yes. movies that was coming out <laughs> uh and you know it's interesting it's not like uh they were afraid of like R-rated teen movies because Varsity Blues was R-rated, but very different. And then, you know, in mm -hmm. March, we get Cruel Intentions, which is R-rated. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, those, despite the fact that they were R-rated, even Cruel Intentions being a bit more darker than something like Varsity Blues, they were so more straightforward in their narratives. And this one yeah. is not. It really kind of uh, yeah. toes a very fine line a bit. So I think mm -hmm. that's why it didn't do all that great initially. And I think it's the kind of film that is perfect to be rediscovered down the line and i and yeah. I, I heard that and then from what i read that happened almost immediately when it came out on home video is that when that that's when that started to really happen and yeah people shared it and discovered it and i think once people start to real once they go back and revisit something like heathers which this film was compared to a lot uh some critics thought he even like ripped off heathers we can yeah. talk about that too um and then you have mean girls in 2004 i think once you look back on like oh heathers did this and you can be like oh well this movie did something similar if you get mean girls like oh hey that did something similar but what was this other movie that came out like in the middle that's how yeah. it kind of gets mm -hmm. uh i think discovered by a new audience um which is great yeah you're right we i think since really mean girls i mean bottoms i guess is kind of a recent example of like a darker kind of teen comedy i guess yeah. but but yeah job Breaker seems like a very much its own entity and even something like mm -hmm. mean girls which has like a fun like occasionally mean spirited script still in the end you know plays it pretty straight by the end of the movie because there's like a message and all that by the end of the yeah. movie jawbreaker doesn't really have so much of a i guess there is one in there but it's not like a not like the wholesome one that's presented in yeah mean girls we feel good afterward <laughs> right uh and nobody this one dies where, in mean girls you know no one dies in mean girls and this <laughs> unlike you know heathers in this yeah i but you know this one kind of wears its and proudly and i respect it it wears its meanness on its sleeve mm -hmm. <laughs> completely and um i know i think that it's one of its best qualities uh before we get into like uh other deeper things with the movie just in case people aren't familiar with jawbreaker it is written and directed by darren stein and stars rose mcgowan uh, rebecca gayhart and julie benz as well as judy greer i think one of her her first major one of her movie. big ones yeah uh, yeah um they are star as girls an exclusive click in their high school um they uh pull a prank on one of their friends a birthday prank a really bizarre birthday prank where they uh kidnap her and gag her with the jawbreaker hence the title and then she chokes on it and dies and then it's all about how they try to cover up her accidental uh killing and then uh how judy greer uh fern's character comes into play is that she finds out about all this and to silence her a bit they you know 
they say that they will give her a popular girl makeover, make, make her part of the clique. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's how um, the story kind of progresses. Um, but yeah, like we said, the movie came out on February 19th, uh, 1999. We just did an anniversary for October Sky, which also came out the same day. <laughs> I had no idea those movies came out on the same day at all. Um, Total but yeah, opposite it, spectrum. <laughs> Total opposite spectrum. Um, but yeah, it was eviscerated by critics at the time that it came out. I think it has a 15%, oh, 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's and so it received funny. a it received it received a D plus cinema score from opening day audiences, and even for a budget, it was a pretty cheap film to make. Three point five million dollars, it only made three point one million. But like we said, it has gone on to gain a pretty sizable cult following. So um, I guess to start off, um, when did you first see the movie? Um, what did you kind of think of it back then, and um, what are your kind of Cliff Notes version thoughts of it now? So, so actually, it's super funny because um, I grew up in like a very conservative household. So, stuff like this we were not allowed to watch. I was in about, okay. I was in seventh grade when this came out. So, definitely not allowed to watch it. Oh, there you go. So actually, yeah. I didn't actually watch it till I was in college. So, probably about two thousand five, two thousand six. Um, okay. Started watching everything I wasn't allowed to watch, you know, back then. There you go. Um, and this was one <laughs> of them, and I just remember falling in love with it and just like, oh my gosh, it's like it's so funny, and I was. It was cool because I was studying film at like junior college here um, at the same time. So um, I, I actually I want to say it was a professor because she would always give me she would always give us lists of movies like we should watch as like film students and stuff. And I remember this was on it because it was on she would give us like different genres. So one of the genres was like teen movies. And I remember this was on it. And I, I believe that's why I checked it out. Um, yeah. But I, but again, it's total opposite of what we were used to at that time you know she's all that varsity blues where it's like more comedy hardcore comedy and then bill good message at the end whereas this one is comedy but then you get kind of a you know the darker side of high school and motives of certain characters and stuff so um yeah but it's still one that i still like i said i, I watch this probably once or twice a year just because it's on a loop and it's one of them it's an enjoyable film for me. Um, I'm a big Judy Greer fan too. Like everything she does, like she always makes the movie better. Um, even yeah. you know, well, even um, cursed the the, the yeah. Wes Craven <laughs> movie that nobody <laughs> ever likes. But I'm like, Judy Greer's so good in it. Like yeah, I need yeah. more of that. So um, yeah, and just in here, it's just even more perfect because she just plays the you know, the meek little nerd and then she gets the transformation into Fern Mayo or from Fern Mayo to Violet. Violet. <laughs> so and she just plays that like, you know, the 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 top B all really well. So and then we got a great cast here too. I mean Rose McGowan, Rebecca Gayhart. And it's funny because the year before Rebecca Gayhart was an urban legend. Which yeah. you know, spoiler alert, you know she plays very not the nicest person in that one. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's funny to see her go from there to here, where she's you know she's popular, but she has a nice side to her too. Right, so, right. <laughs> and yeah, Rose McGowan, we love we love Rose McGowan too. From she was in Scream in nineteen ninety six, and then you know here and so yeah, it's a really good cast too. Like when I look at the. They invented the well. I, I can't remember Heather's, but they did the the popular girl slow mo walk in the hallways. You know, yeah, that was a very popular thing. And then you know, Mean Girls did it, so I know they did an homage to that just to 
Yeah. Because that was a very popular thing in high school is the slow-mo walk. The slow-mo walk. Yeah. I, yeah. We were, I was actually looking that up to see, and I was, from what I read, they, they believe that Mean Girls was, you know, that was an homage to Jawbreaker and um, really cool moment in the movie. I mean, I think, and the director said that he, it, it was something that was written uh because everyone's like did it happen like on the day like or did you or was it written in the script but he said it was written and yeah, i guess he wanted the girls to kind of have like you know the cues like the guys in those movies to always have like a cool slow-mo walk whether it's an mm-hmm. action movie or whatever it is and he basically wanted them to have like kind of like their gangster moment like they get to walk yeah. in line and like look mm-hmm. and look cool and that's kind of where that uh came from and it is crazy that something from a movie that was so small gets uh homage and you know, a bigger movie and mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, I think a lot of us saw the parallels, but hopefully other people, you know, saw it too. And it was like, Hey, and I think they got this from uh jawbreaker, you know, little movie that didn't really do much when it came out, but certainly expired them for even for that one moment. Uh, yeah. in mean girls, mm-hmm. but I think it's cool. And, uh, and yeah, I actually love the cast too. I, Rebecca Gayhart, I like you bring up cause she, we talked about her when we covered urban legend and, of course, in that movie, she's good at playing a fake friend in the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, you know, came out over 25 years ago. So sorry about that. Spoiler alert. But she is uh, the, <laughs> the killer at the end of the movie. And it's good at playing crazy as well. Um, but in this, you know, she gets to be the nice one, the sweet one. I, and she plays that part really well. Julie Benz, who plays Marcy, uh, you know, was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was, I knew her from at the time when it came out. And, uh, you know, of course, she would go on to do she was on Angel after that Dexter, like she's done a lot mm-hmm. of stuff uh, since this. And Rose McGowan was just um, she's got the look and the delivery and the attitude. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say that she was like typecast. Like, I think because, you know, like she didn't, she didn't play this kind of role on charm right she eventually she can play soft and we've yeah. seen that but what she's really good at is um playing these characters who are very snarky uh a little bit on the mean side but mm-hmm. it's it's just it just seems like something that comes easy to her and and she pretty much owns the movie i mean i like there was there was some deli- line deliveries i had totally forgotten about uh from <laughs> yeah. her and she uh is just great at delivering them without missing a beat. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that the character, her character itself uh, has gone on, the character of Courtney has gone on to probably become iconic in its own right as mm-hmm. one of the, uh, if you're thinking about mean girls from like these high school teenage, teenage movies, um, she should be right up there on the Mount Rushmore, I think. Yep. She's just like, she's... Courtney Chain. <laughs> yeah, Courtney Chain. Pretty solid. I don't know. Like, she dominates uh the film and and she was like i mean she kind of has that kind of snarkiness and scream you see it uh if you've ever seen the doom generation which was like i think her film debut um she mm-hmm. has uh she's you know she's got some rough edges and like yeah you know and, it, and she utilizes them throughout her career and then everyone knows that she's gone through a lot throughout her mm-hmm. career as well while we were enjoying a lot of these movies that were coming out you know during this period you know she was going through a lot of stuff then and yeah. you know and but still able to when it came to the work it seemed like she could just focus on that and like just mm-hmm. constantly put in good performances which is just always solid and i i've always like brought her up as someone who i respect for i i 
snarky line deliveries are some of my favorites and she i think is the queen of mm-hmm. some of this stuff uh and this film is a brilliant showcase for her talents because she really uh and i can't think and i guess what they said they were like i guess columbia or tristar home entertainment when they is right we'll make the movie but they said that you either have to get they were like you have to get natalie portman kate Winslet, or rose mcgowan not i don't think necessarily for that role but they were like you need to get one of those Somebody. three girls to get to be in it and they got rose mcgowan and then she knew that role like through and through i guess and mm-hmm. and you could tell <laughs> that she is having right. a blast playing it and i think they're all having fun but like she's definitely having a blast uh taking on a role like that so i thought that was pretty yeah. cool to see again after all these years um so what were you what were your thoughts when you first when the movie opened and uh you have like kind of the voiceover but then the initial like kidnapping and i mean i guess you've heard the like heard about the pod movie before you watched it but what was it like to actually see how this transpires and how things get started when you first saw it well, because it, it makes I don't know. For me, it always made me think about what would I do in that situation because it's like they were actually doing something like innocently fun and just a prank that it got. It was a prank that went wrong, and yeah. it shocked me that they actually show you know the jawbreaker stuck in her throat. And you're just like in her throat, holy crap! <laughs> like I'm like dang, but at the same time, like crap. What would I do? Like you have to. I mean, you would have to call the police. But then again, you're like when she's trying when Courtney Shane's trying to like reason with them they're like we're gonna go to jail this this they're not gonna believe us kind of thing like you start yeah, yeah. thinking like crap am i would i hide that too or would i like be put my good morals to use and actually like you know confess and all that stuff <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so i think i mean i think what shocked me most was they showed the the jawbreaker and then that's i think that's one of my worst fears too because i mean i mean if you ever had a jawbreaker in real life like yeah. i know i've like not choked on it but like Oh, I probably shouldn't put the whole thing in my mouth. Or we tell <laughs> right, kids right, right. like, don't put that whole thing in your mouth, because then I'm just like, that could happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's very true. I I remember like being like, because I didn't see this in theaters. I it you know it we were seeing a lot of those movies back then in theaters. Even though mm-hmm. I was, if I had if I did go to theaters, this is one of those periods where we we would have had to ask one older to buy our ticket. It was, yeah, it was rated R. Um. But it ca- it came and went so fast that we I didn't have a chance to see it in theaters. But I did see it when it came out in home video, and I knew the concept because I had seen the trailer and stuff. But it's different once you see it in the yeah. movie. And like you said, when they when they do pop open that truck and you do see the jawbreaker like stuck in the middle of her throat, it is pretty jarring. And uh, <laughs> and then also like it's so funny when I when I talk about this movie with other people, recommend it to them. They're always like. It's just a weird thing. Why would they use that to gag her with? And you know, I the director has his reasons for using it. I, I, he, I mean, he has he actually has a quote where he says, "Like the jawbreaker just came to represent the duality of the poppy sweetness of the girls of high school and of youth versus the whole idea that this thing could break your jaw." Which I mean, great because he has like a deeper meaning behind why he used it. Yeah, and then you know, you take it and you like you know talk to other people about it. And they're like, "Why?" Well, it's just like a weird thing to do or concept like build a movie around but i think you just have to run with what they're doing and just accept like this is this is the narrative they're running with and just know that like this is not like a serious teen film at all it is very much almost satirical in the way it approaches high school and uh and in high school politics and just the way that you know all of it kind of transpires so like i think you just have to know that and then you can Mm -hmm. 
fully accept what the movie's putting down. So that's why when everyone asks about like that's just a weird concept, I was like, nah, I get it. Just run with it. It's fine. <laughs> it's completely I, fine. I wonder what the the sales were in Job Breakers around then. Like, like did they go oh, up? They went they up. Did they go up? <laughs> <laughs> Now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, I'll have to research that one. one. Right, exactly. (laughs) I'd be too scared that you want to, I mean, like, granted, no one's, like, jamming it down my throat. But, like, uh, yeah, but, like, that, yeah. It'd be funny if if there was just the curiosity of it, like, went up even a little bit as the movie became more Mm -hmm. popular, like, on the home video uh, and everything. That's pretty funny, though. I... (laughs) <laughs> it's just yeah and uh and i also think uh the, the cool thing about the way the movie looks and the way it's styled because i mean for a movie that's 3.5 million dollars i think it still looks uh pretty good for a movie that, that mm-hmm. is that cheap and you know kind of just the you know the colors and all that like they're on the driver that kind of it seems like it's just also represented in the fashion for the girls the way the film looks it's a very mm-hmm. colorful despite being so dark it's a very colorful uh like like he said poppy kind of movie and um and i think that's why it's probably continued to uh influence style a bit for a lot of people who discover it and uh it's interesting because i was watching trying to figure out if it how much of it that the way everyone looked how 90s it looked if it looked like something from 1999 and there are certain things that were but like mm-hmm. there's other things that because it seems like a lot of these things are coming back now <laughs> that yeah. it's hard to tell i guess mm-hmm. but what did, did you notice anything like that when it came to how the movie looks and all that i noticed it was very bright like the bright like colors like the pinks the greens the blues um i think that was intentional though too because i think you know it kind of went with the jawbreaker thing because like yeah the jawbreaker itself was white but once you get down to the nitty gritty of it, that's when all the colors pop up. So I kind of, I kind of did you comparison of that as well. But and then um, I noticed like each character kind of had their own different colors too. Like Courtney, who was the leader, she was more in the reds and the purples. Um, yeah. uh, what's her name? Uh, Mar- Marcy was more in the more the darker colors, like the yellows, the oranges. Then you have Violet, who's in the pinks. And then yeah. um, Julie, who's more the blues and the more casual. And then obviously, when she gets out of the friend group, her her chain her her outfits change changing. a little more, are a little more mute. So I think it, they use those colors too to stand out and you know to show that who was the the popular clique and stuff like that. I also kind of got the little the the fifties vibes too from some of their outfits, like especially yeah. Courtney when she was wearing certain stuff, like the scarves and everything was very like fifties housewife type thing. But then I feel like that was also just kind of a homage. Like that's who she wanted to be. Like she wanted to pr- portray this like, you know, innocent girl, but yet she still had that snarky tone where she could still rule and yeah. all that. So I, I love the colors, and I think that's one of the, the great things about this movie is the coloring, the production, yeah. and, like, just the costumes and stuff, um, makeup, you know. Because, I mean, even, like, when Fern was not popular, she was always in, like, dark brown or, like, black. Like drab. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then when, when she gets into the popular group, her it's popped pink, it's bright pink, like Barbie color and stuff like that. So yeah. it did remind me, now that I rewatched it, it did remind me a lot of the Barbie too. Like if you go back yeah. to the Barbie, the recent Barbie movie, all those colors were very pop and, you know, and they yeah. and their kind of outfits were very 50s, but 90s kind of thing too. So I think it was, could have been an homage to stuff like that, like housewife type things, but at the same time, you know, showing, 
where they were in the the food chain i guess you would you would call it so i think i mean obviously it was done intentionally and i i applaud the director for that and the production for that because it just and it makes that movie different you know yeah i agree um what do you think of and i think i think it's been compared to it more favorably today but i guess when it came out um a lot of critics did point out it's similarities to heathers which came out in 1988 but uh, some critics even accuse it of just blatantly ripping off heathers um because they kind of have like the same almost trajectory a little bit when it comes to uh how their uh i guess you know their stories progress but do you think it's more of an homage and not just like him blatantly trying to rip off what heathers did I mean, I don't think he was totally trying to rip it off. I, I think definitely there was a lot of homages to it. Um, and, I mean, we always talk about Hollywood. There's no more original ideas, and it's always some kind of copy of something or very similar to another story or another movie we've seen. So I think it's just it's hard not to, you know, yeah. take examples of stories. or. But I, I feel like he was like, I want to be like that movie. Like, Heather's was so great. I want to be something like that. And it's funny because I remember reading – when we were talking about this movie was that the director actually pitched this movie as like a horror film. He actually wanted to do it, but then it's just, as he continued writing it and it came together, it was more, he realized more of a dark comedy. So I definitely think he just kind of went down that road and he's like, well, look what Heather's did with theirs. And he kind of just, you know, used that as a navigation. Um, but I mean, because we could say the same thing, like Mean Girls ripped off Jawbreaker, you know, they they did the slow-mo walk, they did the pastel pinks and stuff like that. So I don't think yeah. it's necessarily ripping off. I think it's more of an homage to stuff. And I think, you know, and I think it's a, it's a good thing because it's like those movies were so important to the previous one that they, they want to, you know, honor it in a certain way. So and then obviously yeah. make it different for the audience. Yeah, I get the vibe that it's more of an homage. I mean, I I read some of what critics wrote back then, and they, they one critic even accused it uh, of like a bit of almost like plagiarism rather than like mm-hmm. it being like an homage. Um, I it, it especially when you get something like like Mean Girls, right? Because I don't think when Mean Girls came out that they said that it felt like a rip off of Heather's. I mean, they they did compare it the two of them, and I think one of the main comparisons about Mean Girls, like we said earlier, was that Heather's felt like a more it didn't have to go down the sweet, like in a saccharine route at the mm-hmm. end where it's like, here's the moral of the story. And Mean Girls does that. And I don't think that's a detriment to Mean Girls. It's just the movie that it is. It, mm-hmm. I think that it, it has enough like snarkiness and kind of wit to it that when you get to the end and it's kind of like the, the moral of the story is there, you accept it for, you know, that's what they were trying to do. But no one I think ever really, comp- with, that, with Mean Girls really were saying they, they wouldn't say like it was ripping off Heather's. And like that's why I think it's strange that they kind of attacked Jawbreaker. There. Now, granted, like you said, no one dies in, in Mean Girls. Uh, for, no one from the main clique dies uh, at yeah. all. So I think, I think maybe uh, Jawbreaker, as being so dark, uh, probably has more is more in line with what Heather's was doing. But mm-hmm. I really don't think that he was trying to s- steal anything, basically, or rip it off. And it felt like you know, like he's even said that he hadn't seen a T movie like he saw with Heather's like for him at the time, like for, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So that's what he kind of wanted to make, you know, one for the nineties. And I think I, I can't think of any other one around that time that is like Heather's other than jawbreaker in terms of like, it's dark sense of humor. Uh, until you get mean girls really. 
Like I don't yeah. think it, I don't think any other like nineties uh teen comedies had that. I mean something like and it's not really a teen comedy, I guess, but it tried like something like Trump Day Gorgeous was really darkly funny too, and that came yeah. out in ninety nine. Another movie that didn't do all that well when it came out, but found life way later. Mm-hmm. That's like the closest thing I can come up with where as far as like you know the dark humor is, but like everything yeah. else around that time played it either really sugary sweet or or they went like full raunch already comedy, which right. is something you get like with, with American <laughs> you get a, with American Pie, like you know, mm-hmm. that summer. So yeah, I think it's unfair. I mean, I, I I it seems like he was inspired by it, which you know, uh that should be more of a flattering thing. And mm-hmm. it seems like no one involved with Heathers has ever accused jawbreaker or mean girls for ripping them off so i think yeah. it's interesting that that critics went down that route uh with jawbreaker well, I mean, but i also at, if you oh, look you know, at horror too i mean horror does the same thing like you got friday 13th halloween like they're very similar in guy in a mask stalking you know teenagers no. so i mean it's very similar and I, and I don't think it's anybody ripping them off i think it's they're paying respect to their previous things that influenced them or you know reminded them of their childhood and they're like i want to be like that i want to write a story like that so i think yeah you know darren was fine with what he did and like i yeah i agree with you total homage to everything and yeah all right so that um now we always talk about this when we bring up movies that came out during this period and then today is there anything you think even though this is you know clearly established as a dark comedy there's going to be some very uh not politically correct jokes, like whatever, throughout the movie. <laughs> is there anything that you think kind of flew then that would maybe not fly now if it came out today? I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I feel like the um, the whole concept of you know popularity and stuff like that. Like I think females are very more like um, I don't I don't know how to say it like. They're very like powerful now. Like, you know, the yeah. like Barbie just came out and it's like, you know, woman power and stuff like that. So I think this movie kind of harks back to the olden days where, you know, girls were just like, you know, props and they had to have the boyfriend and they had to win prom queen and you know, very like superficial type thing. Whereas they couldn't think for themselves. They had to like follow the group and I mean, yeah. you know, I think that kind of aspect, I think, you know, you're kind of throwing females back a few decades when you look at it that way um and then i think you know i think just the whole <laughs> we murdered our friend and we're not going to tell anybody about it kind of thing. <laughs> um i don't yeah i don't know i mean i feel like just probably that i mean because i mean i think we've seen stuff like similar to stuff like that especially in high school like with horror movies and stuff and people are okay with it it's just i think maybe the dialogue and stuff like that but yeah I there was I think the which I mean is just a part of the movie. I think the one thing that I noticed is uh Courtney's idea to kind of frame Liz's murder or whatever, whatever oh. her dying as like as like a rape yeah, <laughs> rather yeah, than yeah. Uh, so I, I that was the one thing I was like, I don't know if that would fly today. And like and they kind of put you something and they run with it like in the movie. Like it really like she even goes to the extent of like framing someone else by you know having sex in Liz's bed and getting it done that way which uh I guess that's how we get the Marilyn Manson cameo right um and I totally <laughs> forgot about that until I saw his name in the credits I was like why was 
when was Marilyn Manson in that? And then I went back and looked. It was like, oh, he's a stranger. But yeah, then, I, yeah. then I realized they were engaged at the time, so she was able to get him on there. And I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, they were definitely together. And I was like, all right. So I, that was one thing that was like, not, not that I think the movie's wrong for it to be. It's in the movie. The story is a story, right? Yeah. But I think uh, it might be frowned a bit upon if it came out today. And I well, guess I mean, you're right. I don't, the, think, I, oh, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think Rose would even go for it anyway, because, I mean, she had to deal with the whole Harvey Weinstein yeah. stuff and everything. So I... Like she would have like no, this is not happening. We're not doing that like thing. So yeah, that's that's actually interesting too. That probably would so, be much different based on her exactly. own personal experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think that, like you said, um, thankfully, like women are more so now viewed in a more powerful stance, and there's a lot more unity. And I think mm -hmm. uh, movies like this, even though they're fun, some some parts of the movie create this kind of like division between girls where they're like kind yeah. of going up against each other, mm -hmm. and um, and that's fun, but I think it doesn't sell as well maybe today as it did back then. Yeah. Um, and I that was one aspect of the movie that, even though I found it funny and hilarious, but it's yeah. you know it's still something that's kind of changed. And you kind of see a lot of that like starkiness with a lot of the girls across a lot of these teen movies that came out during this period. It's a much a much different time oh, yeah. <laughs> between ninety seven and or ninety six to like the early two thousands. That you know there, a lot of jokes could fly that you're just like wow. I mean if they got to write that and say it and no one flagged it right all right cool and you kind of just look at it in the context of like all right that is pretty much what it was like when that movie came out and things are definitely different now as far as what we are okay with and what we're allowed to kind of say mm. in film and tv and all that and that's why but i also so like <laughs> yeah yeah too and but i also but at the same time when i watch something like this i respect it for like going like i think one of the things i really liked about it on this watch was that it goes it, it goes all in on what it's trying to do and has no shame about it like it really yeah. has like zero zero shame and like every joke might not work and everything that it's trying to do may not totally work but it is so willing to do it that you almost like i respect for doing it you know, yeah. it's, you know especially because like like you said at that time there wasn't a lot of movies like this coming out of this nature and it really um Kind of took a lot of big swings, yeah. <laughs> and and hope like and hope that the audience would get it. And I think what you saw back then is that maybe the few people that saw in theaters back then got it, and then more people got it when they saw it on uh, on video. The division mm -hmm. for critics then, and you know, is interesting. I guess you know a lot of older audiences may were like probably like it wasn't for them. Um, mm -hmm. I know there's one review from Roger Ebert. Because he gave the film one and a half out of four stars, and he said oh, the movie. Is, I know, I know. <laughs> That's how I feel about him when it comes to horror. I even though I respect him as a critic, but, uh, he said the movie is a slick production of a lame script. If anyone in the plot had the slightest intelligence, the story would implode. Was one of his uh, quotes from uh, his review. And then uh, Box Office Magazine gave the film one and a half out of five stars and criticized the film's humor and again all of its similarities to. Uh, Heather's, um, yeah, you think it's just like it just wasn't like critic critics wise, movie review wise, mm -hmm. the right group of people just weren't seeing it professionally yeah. <laughs> back then, and which is completely why, like, uh, it's it has a bigger legacy now, uh, with other reviewers who have like reevaluated it, who mm -hmm. either probably watched it, uh, when they were growing up, or you know, are in the age range where you know it's this kind of movie is 
in their wheelhouse and they understand what it's trying to do. And um, it clearly made more for them than uh, critics who viewed the film originally uh, back in 1999. Yeah. And Cisco and Ebert were like the top critics too. So I feel like a lot of people listen to them compared to nowadays where we have a lot more variety of critics and a lot more voices. Yeah. Exactly. So I think back then, if, you know, Cisco and Ebert said it wasn't good, well, I'm not going to check it out because they said it was good. It wasn't good, but um, yeah. How do you feel about most of the? Because uh, we get like a lot of really fun kind of cameo roles from uh, a lot of you know, like older stars who like you know, of course, were you know, big with a lot of these directors. Then like Darren, I guess, that knew of, like PJ Souls, when we all know her from mm-hmm. Carrie and Halloween. Pam Greer isn't it as Detective Vera Cruz? We all know her from back in the day from. Uh, black exploitation films like Foxy Brown, but then she, of course, had a career resurgence uh, doing Jackie Brown with uh, mm-hmm. Quinn Tarantino. Um, we mentioned Marilyn Manson has a cameo. Carol Kane is Principal Sherwood. Uh, she is also she was on, of course, on Taxi and then in a Win a Stranger Called uh, back in the day. And then you get Jeff Conaway as Mr. Fox from, and he was in Greece. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of these fun kind of uh, cameos in here. And I was wondering what you kind of thought about how, which is funny them. too, because it's like they were all in kind of like other teen or teen teenage movies yeah. too. I mean, you had the Carrie, you had the Grease. Um, so it was just kind of like bringing those respectful artists from back then into something more modern at that time, which is always cool. And I love when directors do that too, because it's like it shows it shows that they respect the actor for what they did in their time, but still right. giving them you know that opportunity to. You know, pass the pass the torch on to the next generation of, you know, high school stars and all that stuff too. Yeah. So. I also forgot that Tatiana Lee was in it from the first. I Princess noticed that Bel-Air. too. I was like, oh, uh, it's Ashley. Uh, Brenda, she plays and Brenda. Then, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, and then the did we mention her? The I forget her name. The girl from that '70s show. She was in it too. Oh, the, right, the, right. The sister. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I'm blanking on yeah. it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah that's, there's a lot of fun, like, blink it, if, and Some of them are blink if you miss it kind of cameos, and yeah. then other ones are a little bit more uh, more established. But, yeah, I thought it was yeah. cool to kind of have them lit- littered throughout this movie. And a lot of directors like this who, you know, once they kind of make their plea that, like, you know, they love their stuff kind of growing up, and uh, it'd be, it would mean a lot to them to get them into the movie. You, yeah. you kind of see that a lot with films like this, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that they all were willing to do it, and they and they understood probably what the movie was and what the assignment was, and it'd be cool for like a certain generation to see them pop up in uh, this movie, and they probably probably even more excited today when you watch it to see yeah. uh, some of these faces pop up in the movie as well. Um, I mean, Carol Kane's yeah. a legend, and I was I again I always forget she's in there. I was like, oh, I love Carol Kane; she's great, and. So yeah, it was. It's good to see those yeah. kind of actors and these little films and stuff. And yeah, and she's she she she's actually she has some really funny moments in the movie too. I like when she's talking to a detective and they're trying to figure out like who like who she asked to like bring Liz her homework and she's like <laughs> and she's basically like oh yeah yeah Courtney did. She's like okay. She's like oh yeah like Courtney Shane. She's like yeah, but oh no <laughs> because then she eventually <laughs> like told right. like for and then the, the way that Pam Greer looks at her kind of like what like like stupid yeah yeah it's great. It's so really That's like funny. And, and she, it's so instantly like meek too the way she talks right well. like yeah oh, yeah <laughs> yeah I love her. it was funny because i was i was i remembered 
the I remember reading about the story when they're carrying Liz's body upstairs. They drop her in the movie, and it actually really did drop her. And so oh, drop, they kept, yeah. yeah, they really kept, and they kept it in the movie, which I thought was heck of funny because I was like, oh, that was heck, <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. But it's like little things like that. When I read about these films and stuff, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, I tried to keep that in, and yeah, this wasn't supposed to be in the film. And <laughs> yeah, they yeah. added it in there, and so. Um, yeah, I, I guess um, Charlotte is her name. Charlotte Ayana. I probably need to yeah. write. She uh, uh, she has she she's actually retired from acting. She doesn't really do it anymore. And, and uh, she won Miss Teen USA back in 1993, which has a really, you know, fun thankless role of like she's a, she's a for, like one of the original members of the clique, but she has no lines because of course she uh, dies, you know, right off the bat. Um, but you know, she is kind of seen. She's seen in photos. She's seen in like kind of interesting little like flashbacks like when fern is uh describing what it was like to kind of sit behind her and how she admired her and like all that kind of stuff uh but yeah no lines yeah and she had kudos to her it's an impact I, yeah because <laughs> I, I wonder what it was like for her like being like you know carried around by the three girls and <laughs> and yeah with nothing to say or do but like you know it's funny because like in her own way she has her own like kind of impactful mm -hmm. uh role in the film even though she has zero lines uh, i mean mm -hmm. like that even like the look of her with that in her throat it's iconic <laughs> now at this point <laughs> so it's like you know it, you know it shows that not there are no uh small parts i guess you know right. <laughs> like so you know good for her because she's I, I can't. I love that they dropped her and they kept it in. I, and I hope that she was like kind of like cool, like whatever. It happened. Yeah, it said she was cool with it. She was like, "Oh, it's all right." What did you? Uh, what did you think about the ending? And spoiler alert: obviously, we're gonna probably ruin the ending. But did you think it was satisfactory? Was... Do you think we needed more? Do you think? So how I kind of felt about it. So the movie uh, for everyone that hasn't seen it, it's really short. It's eighty-seven minutes. So it's a it's a breeze if you ever. Uh, decide to watch it um i think that i since the movie goes there and goes so dark at certain points i think i expected a bigger come up in mm. for courtney yeah um you know like she's she doesn't seem like the way it was framed in the film i guess it doesn't seem like the kind of girl that would be just merely embarrassed by being embarrassed by the whole school now i know that they it's revealing that you know she killed uh she killed Liz, but the mm -hmm. way that it's kind of presented and done, it's you know, what are they throwing like their corsages at her as yeah. she's like walking, <laughs> walking down the path? Um, I don't know, I think a darker ending, but a funny one would have been a little better. I think I wanted mm -hmm. to see more happen to her because it does kind of after it comes out and she takes that final like Polaroid of her after uh Julie does, then it's, it's just over. Yeah, um, and that's, that's yeah. I always say that too because I'm like, I want to know what happens after. Does she get booked? Does Fox or the the detective come in and arrest her? Does she like yeah prison for life? <laughs> Is she community service? Like, I would have loved to see like snapshots of that, even if it wasn't like the whole like film, just like snapshots of yeah, or yeah. like a brief like narration of what happened, you know, eventually to all of them. Because I mean, they were seniors in high school, so it's like. What happens after high yeah. school? Like, did yeah. did Julie stay with Zach? What happened to Fern? You know, all yeah, that exactly. Stuff. Like, I always wonder stuff like that, and, and that's just me overthinking the film. But I, at the same time, <laughs> like, I want to know what happened. Yeah, that makes sense though, because like, I do think I do feel like it's kind of abrupt. Like, it just kind of just yeah. ends after that. Really, like the whole movie has this fun like build up, 
and you do want to see um what like what would you want to know what happens to all the characters but i would know i would have loved a more like firm like come up mm-hmm. from courtney um but i mean and for the sake of the movie, I don't think it ruins the movie by any means. No, like, it doesn't still, ruin the movie. And, still, and then, like, she gets what she deserves, you know. <laughs> yeah, and Rose McGowan is pretty funny in that moment where, like, she sees Julie and she's just like Julie, and then she's like smile and she's like, eh. <laughs> like yeah. it's really funny. And then just that pose, you know, they actually yeah. have a picture of her not looking her best, and yeah, yeah, it's in the yearbook and all that stuff, you know. And honestly, like some of the funnier, funnier things from the movie actually happened to, for me during that last few minutes is like the whole like just slow mo of them talking that like where they're like you bitch yeah. and then like they're and then uh, they they have that one shot of Rebecca Gayhart where she just waves at her and says eat shit like it's just a yeah. slow motion like like that stuff was pretty funny and then just like how dramatic it all, it is when they're throwing like the corsages and stuff but I think Tatiana she just hides under the table table yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Tatiana Lee's character Brenda is just like dramatically going, just like Courtney, why? Yes. <laughs> it's, like, it's just so like you were my um, hero. Yeah, yeah, you're my hero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so over the top dramatic, but I think it, it it really did work. It's funny, but I yeah I, yeah I, I think I I wanted a harder a harder ending though. Yeah. Like, if I had like had to change anything, it'd be that. Um, do you have any scenes that are your favorites or stand out to you as some of your favorites? Um, I think just the, I think just, I I love the slow mo walk when Ferns finally you know Violet. Oh, in the group. I think that's just iconic. Um, I love when um, actually I like the there's a scene I was just I really liked was when Julian Julie calls Fern and she kind of and Fern like kind of stops her Violet act and like is back to Fern. Oh yeah, and they're talking on the phone and it's just like. Do you remember when we used to have sleepovers? Do you remember this? And you know how much has changed and stuff. And it just it showed how they're both longing for something. You know, yeah. like they knew like this click wasn't real, like wasn't fulfilling, but their friendship was like real back then. And you know how people change in life. You know, I mean, I I remember like personally, like you know, kids I was friends with in middle school. Like I wasn't really friends with them in high school after because everyone kind of goes their different ways. So I thought that was a very honest um, look at that and just kind of remembering back to those old times when they were innocent and they weren't worried about who likes who or stuff like that. So it was such a like simple but yet quiet scene, but I think it still made a really big impact. And then, you know, Courtney calls and kind of ruins the whole thing. And you're just like, Courtney ruins everything, like no matter what. No matter what, no matter what, um, I that's actually interesting because like the move, like the movie doesn't take a lot of time to stop and have like a serious moment. Because but that one mm-hmm. does work for me. I think it was like really well written and well acted by the two of them. And I guess uh, Julie has uh, a couple of those with uh, Zach, the guy in the drop, the drama character too. Like, but they're a bit more mm-hmm. not as you know uh, played for laughs and. Sometimes yeah. those scenes don't really fit. They feel really out of place. But I actually did like uh, the one with uh, Fern because it actually I think you needed that kind of mm-hmm. to kind of show, uh, kind of really show who Fern used to be and uh, mm-hmm. also what she's turning into, and then also establish how someone like Julie could be in that, but then also get out of it. Like she's mm-hmm. not quite as you know, Marcy clearly was more of a follower. And yeah. You kind of tell that in the way that she. Uh, 
handles herself with Courtney. Like it's not she she understands her her place uh in the group. Like if I was trying to compare it to mean girls, I was trying to figure out who would Marcy be uh amongst the girls in that movie. And she'd be Gretchen Wieners. She's she'd be Gretchen, yeah. Like she like more of a loyal follower than uh, uh but not but not not a le- leader by leader any by any means. So um I did want to uh I'm trying to think of what other funny moments I have for myself in this because, like, it's uh, I know there's a lot of really kind of fun uh lines and dialogue in the movie as well. And uh, I don't know, it, it still plays really strong. I like, I think he Darren Sign deserves a lot more credit uh for his screenplay than he probably gets. Uh, because I think it, it it's really really funny, and, and again, it might be what we call uh, an homage to other films like, like Heather's or stuff that came before it. But it really, it also it tapped into a really certain time in high school life in 1999, where like I was like watching that and getting some of the jokes where it's like, yeah, that was definitely kind of like the things either what was going on in high school or at least things that were being made fun of in high school, and I kind of under. Uh, I understood that really uh, while watching it. So I thought, I know, kudos to him because I think I, I think it's cool as a filmmaker for him to see over the years how the movie has grown uh, with audiences and people have uh, come to accept it and love it and probably put it into the kind of pantheon of other high school movies and th- where it deserves to be. It also should be a proud member of the class 99. 1999 was a great year for movies, as most of us know. And um, I think it deserves its spot completely where it's at, even if it is just a minor, like smaller cult classic. Yep, I agree with that definitely. Yeah, it. Um, what do you think? Um, as far as you know, it's how do you feel about its uh, legacy like today? And do you think? Do you think that like? Do you think it's because of people our age who are like, oh, well, like this is why the film is good and we've kind of carried that torch right do you think like a younger generation of people have found it too and kind of made it their movie as well i think i mean i think it's a little bit of both i think it's movies that you know we obviously grew up with so it's like oh i remember that movie and it kind of you know reminisces of our childhood back then but then again it's like we're some of us are showing our own kids like movies we grew up with and they're telling their friends or like it, you know, it, it becomes a meme and then, you know, it gets popular on TikTok, and then everyone's like, Oh, I wonder what that film is. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know about this one. Let's check it out. Kind of thing. And it just kind of progresses from there. And I think that's a, one of the positive things about social media is that it can get the ball rolling on stuff that may not have had an audience, you know, or, make something popular again kind of thing like i mean we see that all the time recently in pop culture like songs that you know didn't play well when they're in the 80s but they were used in a popular show and now they blow up or you know an actor that we didn't realize was in a a campy little horror movie and then we're like oh let's go check that out and oh this movie is so campy but it's so fun so um i think that's definitely one of the the positives about social media getting to share it with the world and stuff and helping people discover things, you know? Yeah, I agree. And um, I would agree with that too. I think, I think a, a lot of, not just us, I think a lot of younger people are finding it 
and uh, celebrating it in its own right. And I know, like I said, it was nice to see yesterday. There was a lot of stuff that was popping up on social media where I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by how many people were uh, shouting it out on its 25th anniversary. And, uh, and what's cool is that even that kind of like celebrating those milestones pushes the movie out even more for people to discover it. And, uh, you know, for other people who haven't seen it, once they see that, they're like, oh, what's the fuss all about? Why is everyone talking about the movie uh, today? And and it'll be interesting to see. Like, I, you know, what I've never done, which I would want to try to do. I would love to watch Heather's Drawbreaker and Mean Girls all back to back and kind of see how they flow together and mm-hmm. how, because I've never actually done that where, I mean, I could think about what happens in Heather's, but oh yeah, that's similar to what happens in Jawbreaker. Same thing with Mean Girls, but it'd be interesting to kind of have that trifecta uh, kind of movie watch back to back to see how actually similar they all are to each other. Yeah, and I personally, I've never done it, but it'd probably be a fun <laughs> three-way watch, though, for sure. And if you ever wanted to go really bizarre, you could add the craft in there too. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that even has, yeah, that even has its own kind of snarky. Like it has the same almost. I want to say it still it feels worse. I guess mean spirited vibe to it, but like not in a way where it's like off putting. That's just like the it's just the vibe and it's who the characters are in it. But yeah, yeah you're right. You throw in the craft. It that has a little bit of the the heatherish vibes too, even yeah. if, especially in the look of of, of it. So it's like yeah, the complete I mean, opposite of colorful. <laughs> yeah, and you know, just because it's more of a it's more of a horror movie, but like mm-hmm. yeah, I it, I think it really fits in there. Um, and in terms of its legacy, they also said that McGowan's Courtney Shane has become something of a pop culture icon on social media with Tribeca film.com declaring a McGowan's performance that every single line reading was a thing of Betty Davis aspiring beauty. And with any justice, it's a performance that will only grow in esteem over time. I think that it has and um, people still kind of honor it and respect it. Um, I, I, I was happy to see that I think for one of its, uh, last kind of milestone anniversary is McGowan talks very highly of the movie and is proud of it. Um, so that is, uh, that was great to see. Like we said, cause you have a lot of stuff around this time for her, a lot of stuff she was doing probably wasn't the greatest for her, but I'm glad that she looks back on this movie and is proud of it. Cause she really is. This might be, and I love her in scream and I love, I love her in grindhouse, the planet terror stuff, but this might be my favorite Rose McGowan mm. performance overall. Yeah. I think I think she just eats up the scenery in the best way possible, without being too over the top. Like she yeah. she finds the line and goes with it, and yeah, I think it is definitely my best. Uh, yeah, if I had to pick one, it would probably be this. I don't know where you stand on that, but I know I, I agree with that. I think I think here she was a little, she was able to kind of let loose a little more in this one. Um, yeah, and she's I mean she's the star. I yeah. mean, in Scream, she was, you know, the supporting character, which was great. And same with, like, Planet Terror and Grindhouse. Or, you know, she was the supporting character, I felt like. But here, she really gets to shine. And it's her yeah. movie. Like, when you think of Jawbreaker, you think of Courtney Shane. So I think she owns it. And I couldn't see anybody else doing that kind of part. Like, the, how well she did it. So yeah, I totally agree and, with you. And they wanted her. I mean, it was Natalie Portman, Kate Winslet, or Rose McGowan. I, we don't know if it necessarily for that role in particular, but they wanted one, one of those three girls in the movie. And mm-hmm. Rose McGowan was uh, a name that they threw out there. And um, and she completely owns it. 
And in addition to her, they we talked about the costumes. They said the costumes continue to be celebrated, drawing praise from the likes of Vogue and Rookie magazines. The scene where they actually sh- uh, strut down the hallway, as you said, to some motion to Imperial Teens. Uh, you, I actually had never uh, heard that song until Jawbreaker. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> and, yeah, and now that now that like, I've heard it a lot in the last two days because it's just going through everyone's like social media stuff. Like they've used that. Even I use it on our post for uh, uh, the Jawbreaker stuff. Um, but they said it's become a signature feature of the film, drawing homage in film and television, most notably, like you said, in Mean Girls. And it's also parodied in films like Not Another uh, Teen Movie. Uh, another person who's commented on the movie uh, fairly recently, back in 2014, Julie Greer said, I really didn't think it was anything special while we were shooting it. But when I saw the final product, I knew it was really good and was so proud of it. I thought it looked beautiful. It had just the right amount of sexy pop culture fun to it. I do think it's quite special. And, you know, I would have to agree with her too. And she's also very good in it. Actually, all everyone that has a major role is very good. I know we get a lot of the props to Rose McGowan because she is the lead and she does uh, dominate most of the movie, but they all kind of work well together. I think it's interesting that Rachel A. Cook was apparently supposed to, she read for the part of Julie and she was, she did read with Rose McGowan and Julie Benz. And they said like the chemistry just wasn't quite right. And I guess Darren Stein said that, um, it could have been because she was kind of younger than them, a little bit mm. younger than them, and that he wanted t- girls who were a little bit older, even though they're in their twenties at the time. Yeah, like he wanted the whole thing to feel like a heightened thing, and like yeah. even making the girls feel a bit older, even though they're in high school. That's what he wanted. Um, I'm trying to imagine Rachel Lee Cook as Julie, and I just can't. <laughs> Not in yeah. a bad way because I think she's good in her own right and other stuff. Yeah, but I think I think they found the right girls to. Really and just think she, yeah, she wouldn't have been in She's All That then if she would have been in that one. So true. That, unless so. That's true. Unless they were shooting at really different times, like they're probably, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And one was a bigger what could hit, have been. of course. It's those what if moments, but. Yeah, of course, right? I'm pleased it's with always, the outcome we had. So. <laughs> I am pleased with the outcome as well. And um, I'm glad we, is there anything else that you want to throw in that's, you know, as far as, oh, actually what we do usually at the end of this, we give the film a score for us. Uh, you can do however score you want. You can do on a scale of one to ten. You can do letter grade. If you want to do like the letterbox up to five stars. Um how what would you give Jawbreaker? Um out of five stars, I would say four and a half just because like I said I would have liked a little more on the ending, but it doesn't it doesn't diminish the film as a whole. And I think it's a great pop culture moment that will live on in history and I feel like we'll still be talking about this film another 25 years from now of how the impact it had on the, on the, the Hollywood, you know, landscape. So, yeah. but I would give four and a half. I would give it a little, I would give it four, but I think it's still good. Uh, the only reason, and I, and the way I, uh, I know some people are going to be like, Oh, that's kind of high for a movie like this, but it, you know, it really did, even though it maybe didn't feel like it did when it came out, it did kind of define, uh, what these movies could be back then. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, a movie like every movie doesn't become a cult classic once it dies theatrically. It that could just be the end of the story, and that's you know all they all she wrote, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there's a reason why it ended up being picked up and uh, you know kind of reevaluated later, and more people have discovered it. And I think that, like I said, I think the script is really smart and funny. I think all the actors do a really good job uh, 
kind of just running with what they were given and just completely understanding the excitement. I think that's really important in a movie like this to really get the humor and get what the director is like trying to sell. And in that regard, as far as it being like a pop culture moment, I think it deserves a lot more credit. I mean, it's getting the credit it deserves, but I think mm-hmm. it'll probably receive even more as years go on. The more I think the older they get, the more people uh, see it. Um, you know, the more that uh, it'll be appreciated too. So I, yeah. I totally believe that and agree with that. And I loved everything about it. I I will not let this much time go by between another rewatch of it because it was a really long time since I had seen it, and uh, was completely. Uh, floored by how much i remembered of it too that was another thing like while i was watching it like it was all coming back like total recall a bit like like i was yeah. like thinking the lines before they were saying them and i and i hadn't watched uh the movie in a really really uh long time but uh it was really really um kind of cool to kind of bring that all back uh one thing i wanted to ask you about too i did not know this that they um they there's been talks of like i guess like for years like doing a musical adaptation of it uh, that began in like 2010. They said a Los Angeles concert presentation occurred starring uh, Shoshana Bean, uh, Leslie Margarita, and Janelle Lee Green. Uh, original film writer director Darren Stein returned to write the book while Jeff Thompson and Jordan Mann wrote original music and lyrics. Um, they also said 2011 that Manhattan uh, reading occurred with Diana DeGarmo in the role of Fern Mayo and uh, as well. Um, I also, there was one that Jojo the singer was a part of as well in Manhattan back in 2013. And I hear that uh, they want to try to do the movie musical treatment with it. I mean, probably seeing what the Mean Girls uh, movie musical adaptation did. Um, do you think that would work? And do you think it would be successful, even though this movie wasn't theatrically that successful when it came out, but it's grown in popularity since then? I I really think it would depend on who they cast, because obviously you have to get a good cast. Um, and right. the director too, because um, I know on like Broadway they they had Heather's the musical and Mean Girls had the musical treatment too, um, but yeah. to do it as like a film musical adaptation, um, I think it would just depend on who they cast and the director. I think it could be done. I really do, yeah. and I think people who, I think it's been long enough to where people would be interested in it again. Um, obviously yeah. they would have to change some things because we, like we said, sometimes some of these jokes don't fly anymore. And <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, they did that in the recent Mean Girls musical. They had to change some things up because obviously 2004 yeah. was, you know, 25 years ago. So, or 20 years ago. So, you know, you can't do all those jokes again. So they had to update it for audiences now. And I think, I think they could definitely could do it. It's, I don't think it's out. Would it be a streaming movie? Would it be theatrical? Again, That's another, I think it's how big their budget is. I think it again, director is very important. So, but I, I could definitely see it be done. If given in the right hands, it could be done very well. So I'd be excited yeah. to see it. And I think, I think people would be excited to see it. Yeah, I would I definitely watch it. I think it probably would be more streaming than theatrical, but I would totally be down to see what they do with it. Um, we probably get some of the original cast playing like, you know, teachers or principals or <laughs> something <laughs> that, that probably definitely happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think there, there, there is a road for that to occur. And if they really want to do it, I think the, I think the interest is there at least for a streaming uh, uh, release of it, even if it's not 
theatrical. I mean, Mean Girls, that movie musical was going to be straight to Paramount Plus, and then they they had test screenings, and they were apparently through the roof. So that's why they pivoted from that and made money. So you know, I guess anything is possible at yep. this point. So we, sh- I guess we shall see. Um, yep. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, Mario, thank you for joining me on uh, this latest uh, deep dive episode. Uh, just again, uh, for people that want to follow your movie page, let us know where they can find it again. And I, of course, we'll put it at the bottom of the descriptions of this episode so they can also find you and add you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, people can find me on Instagram at Movies with Mr. Mario, where I do movies and TV reviews and share the latest. But it was a pleasure talking about this movie. Thank you for allowing me on here. I really had a good time with you talking about this pop culture phenomenon. Well, thank you for joining me. And as always, you can find Back to the Blockbuster and Back to the Blockbuster Presents Deep Dives wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify. But we have to shout out the Playlist Studio app because they are our uh, podcast network. They have been very good to us uh, ever since they started with us over two years ago. So please, you can get that from the iOS store or if you have a Droid, you can also get it from the Google Play Store. In addition to the main uh, new show that it will be coming back with um, new episodes next week, as well as some anniversary episodes coming up uh down the pipeline we have bill and ted's excellent adventure that we'll be recording next week as well and then we have a pretty packed anniversary march that we're still trying to figure out how we're going to do because uh, the 1999 movies and you know 2009 89 it gets crazy starting in march and we can't do them all but we will do our very best to do as many as we can and who knows if we can't do on the main show maybe there'll be deep dives and maybe people like mario will come join us again uh next time he actually has to pick the, the movie that he wants to do i don't want to force i don't want to force the movie on him uh, this time like i did this time but yes definitely the next time you pick what we're going to deep dive uh all right, that as well uh, but yeah, until next time, guys, thank you for joining us and thank you for listening. Peace out.